looking to confirm that it's actually a buildable property. You know, we've got a kind of a four step due diligence process. We're looking at the title. We're having someone go and check it out on site. So we're getting photos, we're getting a little bit of report. Also, we are getting a compilation of report of buildability on the property. We're calling the county, we're calling about utilities, we're, we're doing all these zoning, all these things. And then also we are getting a broker opinion. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whether it's in Texas or any other spot, when we've got an infill lot, and most all lots, we are looking to confirm that it's a buildable type property. So that's kind of the biggest thing here. The last thing I want to do is to buy a small lot or a small package of lots like that where I find out that they're not buildable. Welcome to Turning Profit, a podcast for people that love real estate. Learn the business models and skills that professional real estate investors use to make money and build wealth. Visit turningprofit.com for a wealth of investor resources. And now, here are your hosts, Pete and Heather Reese. Welcome to the Turning Profit Podcast. Heather, it's so great to be here once again. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't even know. It's the same same intro every single time, right? That's so. right. That's right. I'm a creature of habit, if you haven't noticed yeah, that. Yeah, I'm running out of, you know, what to say to that. But yeah, it's exciting to be here. I'm excited for this episode. And if it's, you know, completely sucks, it's your fault. <laughs> It's always my fault. No matter what happens, anything wrong happens, it's always my fault. It's fault, right? Exactly. If you're married, you know what I mean. (laughs) And even if you're not. You probably still know what he means. Yeah, exactly. So what are we talking about today? Well, today we have, you know, what I realized is that Mm -hmm. we've gotten a little bit behind in answering some of the questions in our community. Mm -hmm. And each week we like to kind of cherry pick four questions or so at the end of our podcast and answer them. Today we realized we're a little bit behind on those questions, so we figured we'd highlight a bunch of really good questions from our community today, and then kind of answer them rapid fire. So we're we're talking about a lot of interesting things today, some things that you may not really have realized there's any sort of gap in your understanding. But but if you are interested in land flipping or land investing, I think it's probably a very interesting episode for you to listen to. And if you haven't noticed, I am wearing my Land Conquest t-shirt. Wow, look at you. Do you have a Land Conquest t-shirt? I'm not really a t-shirt person, so no. Do you they... do wear t-shirts. Yeah, I do. Like like when we're like but with not, my walking not stuff. But not branded type stuff. Even if it's your own company, you don't wear that. Hmm? I don't know. Maybe maybe we can get... I don't know. Do we have any Land Conquest dresses that I can wear? <laughs> <laughs> we, we do have an internal merch store that we uh, that we use for certain things. But no, we, we do not have any dresses. Maybe we should look into that. I mean, probably on, on the podcast, just because it, it would be <laughs> a special You thing. would never wear it. Let's be honest. Out in public? No, absolutely not. <laughs> But yeah, we can go there. Sure. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe we'll have to look into this. Uh, anyhow, so we've got some some amazing questions today. Mm-hmm. And first of all, we're talking about land conquest. We're talking about the community and everything. If you are not a member, uh, simply all you have to do is go over to landconquest.com and then you can check out the community from there. Now, inside the community, mm-hmm. we have a training program, mm-hmm. a full training program that we give away at no cost. I don't use the word free anymore because you get mad at me, but we give it away at no cost to all available. of the members of the community. I think I'm going to change that even. No more giveaway. It's available to you at no okay. cost. There it's you available go. to you at no cost for all community members. Mm-hmm. So all you have to do is go to landconquest.com. 
there's a couple different aspects of the community. There's the community itself mm-hmm. where we've got, you know, people posting questions and answering them and all kinds of co- really cool community stuff going on. Conversations. Like it's conversations. a place to really hang out and get answers and learn. And learn. Yeah. And then as well, we've got the kind of learning section of the community. That's where we post all of our income reports that we do on a monthly basis. We also have the full training, Land Conquest training program there available to you at no cost. There you go, right? <laughs> sometimes it takes me a little while. I'm a little dense sometimes. No. I will, I'll be the first to admit that. No. Yeah, I'm actually really proud of that community. Um, it, you pretty much, well, you did all of it. I lurk. You don't contribute a lot. You just read a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just... You do that a lot in your communities that you're in, right? Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> that's not worker. fair. It's not that I don't contribute. I'm happy to contribute like in, in other communities and stuff like that. But I like to I like to learn from everybody, you mm-hmm. know, and as much as we know, I know there's always more that we can learn and see what's working for people, what's not working for people. I am on the Internet at like weird hours. So I, I don't know. I always feel weird like two in the morning being like, that's awesome. You know, like it's not like it notifies everyone. I know. Like, right, just... or it sends them a text message. By the way, speaking of notifications, mm-hmm. last night we've got a notification in the middle of the night. What time was this even? Heather's got this app on her phone where it's it notifies you of earthquakes. It's the shake something. <laughs> yeah. And in the middle of the night, the, 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 her phone starts yelling, earthquake, duck, and what, what did it say? I can't even remember, but it was like, okay, so it, it happened more than once. So the first time I just sat up, I grabbed the cat. I don't know why I grabbed the cat. And then I said to you really loud, I'm like, earthquake's coming, you know, brace yourself for an earthquake. I don't know. I, I must have repeated back what was said because it was like, it wasn't even, I didn't even understand it. It was like, Instinct? Yeah, instinctually. But I grew up in Southern California. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying earthquakes don't don't concern me, but it's kind of like, I mean, they don't. I mean, mm-hmm. they do, but they don't. Like, I'm not trying to, like, you right. know, piss off an earthquake so that they send me an 8.0. Mm-hmm. But, I'm, but I'm also saying it's not something, like, I really worry about. But but so, like, in, instinctually, I just sat up, I grabbed the cat, and I was like, Pete, earthquake's coming, brace yourself or something. And, and then, I heard the app yell that out, so. Yeah. But I was really confused a little bit. I was like, how come? I never heard your phone say that before, so I was yeah. like a little confused. So it was, it was interesting. Uh-huh. It ended up being what a five point two or something. I think it said that, but I think it was it's been downgraded to like a four point okay. something or there. And this was in El Centro, which is probably about a hundred miles from us, something like that. Maybe right. not, maybe not that far, but it's pretty far from us. Yeah, and then then a few minutes later, there was another one. So that that time I heard, so it did do a, do a sound. We just mm-hmm. don't remember that. Mm. So it's kind of like a, you know what I mean, like how they have emergency alert kind of thing. It was kind of like a weird sound like that, and then it's like an earthquake's been detected, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I learned is that there was actually 14 of them. Like those poor people in El Centro are probably huh. like shaking, I was gonna say shaking the boots, but yeah. literally. All but yeah, three of them? That's not Not funny. a lot of residents in El Centro. Well, the, all the residents of El Centro would, you know, <laughs> beg to differ, but, <laughs> okay, um, but it's a really cool three. app. So, mm-hmm. so you should get it. I mean, I'm gonna put it on your phone and stuff. Okay, great, so thanks. That, I know. <laughs> I can, each of our phones can be yelling at us in I the know. middle of the night. Okay. Pretty cool, though. But it made me realize there's a lot more, you know, tech has a lot way to go. Oh, and there were people that we didn't feel anything, by the way, like at all. But there were people in, um, you know, like El Cajon that did. And they yeah. said some of them yeah. got felt like they got like a good 30 seconds. Like it would have been enough time that if you were, I don't know, hanging out right by a big glass window that you could move away from it. Mm-hmm. Or, okay. Anyways, so be prepared. Okay. All right. I don't know how we got off that tangent, but... <laughs> But let's move little, into the questions, Heather. Because two in the morning. I was on, mm. like, oh, you know, okay. that's exactly what All I was right. doing because I couldn't sleep afterwards because, you know, you know, you went right back to sleep. Good, I did. Good yeah. on you, but not so much for I me. I figured you'd wake me up if, if needed. So Bless your heart. 
Okay, so we've got 10 of these questions. I haven't seen them yet. Should we just get into it? Yeah, let's get Wait, into where it. Where did these questions fire. come from? Did they come from the community? Did they come from the gauntlet? Did they come oh, from- Oh, these are all from the Land Conquest community. Okay. Those other ones I just referenced are our premium products that we offer for kind of- Yeah, our premium mentorship programs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, the so, gauntlet and, the, and uh, yeah, the round table. So, so there's questioning there to you know a <laughs> yes. lot of that. Yep. Okay, so this one is from, let's see, Brian says, um, Texas Due Diligence. Hello, y'all. Very okay. on, um, on, brand. on brand for Texas. Closing on my first Texas lots in a few weeks and was wondering what are some typical due diligence things to look out for before buying land in the state near Houston. I was recommended a survey, but I have not done a survey on most of the lots already flipped or that he's already flipped. Do other Texas investors recommend surveys and anything else? They are smaller lots, half acre, quarter acre. Thank you. Maybe when we're talking about lots this size, the, the main, the big thing is that you need to ensure that they are buildable properties. Because if you've got a quarter acre, half acre lot, in most all cases, it's going to have one use. And that's in, in a residential area, it's going to have one use. And that's simply a home site. And so as part of your due diligence process, you should be looking to confirm that it's actually a buildable property. So that normally entails, you know, we've got a kind of a four step due diligence process. We're looking at the title. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at title history and everything like that. We're getting That's some for any size, actually. any property. So any yeah. property, regardless if it's Texas or anything else, mm-hmm. or even uh, the size, right? Or, or even the size. Yes. Okay. We're looking at the title. Uh, we're having someone go and check it out on site. Uh, normally that's a photographer. Sometimes it's an agent. So we're getting photos. We're getting a little bit of a report on the ground. And then uh, also we are getting um, this kind of a compilation of report of buildability on the property. We're calling the county. We're calling about utilities. We're, we're doing all these zoning, all these things. We're, we're kind of a checklist of things that we're looking at. And then also we are getting a broker opinion. Mm-hmm. So, and if there's uh, some sort of discrepancy with the broker opinion, we might get a, a second one. So those are kind of the four phases that we do for every single property. Regardless of whether it's in Texas or any other spot, when we've got an infill lot, and most all lots, we are looking to confirm that it's a buildable type property. So that's kind of the biggest thing here. And, you know, that's uh, that's where the calls to the county or the city or whoever is kind of managing that, um, they will let you know kind of what if those lots are buildable, uh, if there's any sort of questions, any sort of hoops you need to jump through in order to make that happen, you know, they may say, well, you need to get a perk test here. You may need to find a water source, a well or something like that. So it just really depends um, what they tell you, like what the process is in order to make it buildable. Some areas are very easy. Some areas are a, little, are a lot more complicated. Mm-hmm. So you just have to kind of um, dig into what's standard for that particular area and what they're going to require. The last thing I want to do is to buy a small lot or a small package of lots like that where mm-hmm. I find out that they're not buildable. Then what do you do? Right. What are you, what are you going to use those uh, permanent lemonade stand? Because you know, their uses are like timber or recreational. Mm-hmm. And if it's a quarter acre lot, you're not your neighbors aren't going to let you have ATVs. Go, you're, there's right. not enough land to be, you know what I mean? Right. And you know, maybe if it's in a commercial area in the middle of a town or a city or something like that, you could use it as a parking lot or something, mm-hmm. something like that. But in a residential area where you've got small lots like that and you find out it's not buildable, then instantly the property is not worth what you thought it would because what are you going to use it for? Mm-hmm. So generally, we're not getting a survey unless it's required by the title company or if there's some sort of discrepancy. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much um, based on the municipality. Even different spots of Texas, they all have they all have different requirements for buildability and everything. So you just need to dig into that specific area, you know, whether it's a county, a city, 
town, whatever the case may be, and, and find out what it's going to take in order to make those lots buildable. Right. I, I think another thing I want to add, too, is we've um, seen ones where it's almost on sewer, like there's sewer everywhere. Mm, yes. And you think, oh, great, there's sewer. Like, yes. so this isn't an issue. And then you find out, yeah, there's sewer, but there's a hundred year wait list. I made that. That's an exaggeration be, yeah. of being able to tap into the sewer because their sewer system's maxed out. So you're like, wait a minute, but it, it should be on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah you we got know. fooled by that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You wouldn't know unless you, you know, do some more research. So that's why you think, oh, well, I don't need to worry about this because sewer, you should still be calling and making all like. Right verifying that. Hey, can I connect to this? Yeah. If I, if I put in an application tomorrow to connect to this, Mm -hmm. are you going to accept it? Yeah. And they might say, oh yeah, sure. But it'll be 13 years probably. Right. Or it'll cost $10,000 or, Uh you know, whatever the case may be, but you just need to get that information before you buy the property. Right. Or no, someone already asked this question and because of the slope, we can't put a sewer in. Exactly. Or there's not enough space to tap into the sewer, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So yeah, the, the more you do, the better, like, you know what I mean? Like, the yeah, more... you'll learn, you know, you know mm-hmm. getting, doing this research is, is very, uh, enlightening. You yeah. Know? And we're still learning things on, on properties that, uh, every day we're learning things. So, mm-hmm. you know, you just take that and put that in your bank of information, but you're trying to, to identify things that would be a red flag or make it very difficult to build. Yeah. So, in and I guess situation. that sewer thing might not be an issue in you know, I don't know, some random place, mm-hmm. but in high density areas, it might be. So you might, and it might be only in California that that's an issue or only in whatever. So when you say, like he brought up Houston, you'll, the more you do in Houston, the more actually questions you ask in Houston, the more you're going to learn. That's right. You know? Yep. And a lot of these people that you talk to at the county or the city or whatever, they're happy to talk to you about mm-hmm. this type of stuff. Ask them open-ended questions, really try to pin them down on certain things and they'll let you know what you need. I mean, they're not, this is not some thing, you know, typically these counties and cities and everything would like, like progress and would like mm-hmm. building and, and, uh, things like that, but they're going to let you know what the rules are to make that happen. So want to learn the secret to building a thriving land flipping business, head on over to landconquest.com and join over 2000 passionate land flippers, leveraging the power of community to scale quickly. Sign up for free at landconquest.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah. A question I always like to ask is like, there is, is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't? Mm, that's a great one. Because yeah. then they're like, or is there something that norm, that everyone, like people normally ask you that I didn't remember to ask you? And a lot of times in that situation, they'll say, oh, well, I mean, yeah, I guess you, you didn't bring up. And it's like something we didn't even think about. Like you didn't think about the red bees that are over there that, you know, uh-huh. so you, that is another thing. Like I wouldn't have not known to ask you. I don't, there's no such thing as red bees as far as I'm. And don't, don't worry about looking dumb. Right. You know? Right. You know, when you're beginning, you've got this, um, I think it's common for people to have this in their head that like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. They're going to think I'm an idiot when I call them. Who cares? Just go, go with the mindset. I, you know, when I'm calling places like this, I present myself as someone that doesn't know anything mm-hmm. about this. And I'm like, hey, I've never bought a property here. I don't know what you guys require. Like, what is the process here? Just like explain it to me very easy and so I can understand. And when you when you go with that attitude from the beginning, believe me, everything gets easier. Then if they tell you something that you don't understand, use some term or something like that, you you can be like honestly like, what does that mean? Yeah, I, I don't. Can you tell <laughs> me cares? more? Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? Well, you know, the worst they're going to do is hang up and be like, what an idiot. Yeah. 
who cares? Right. And and you think you're ever going to, and they're not, by the way, because right. like they get asked some pretty, I'm sure right. they've seen some things, heard some things. Yes. And also just the gratitude, like, Hey, thanks so much for helping me. Yeah, I really you, appreciate you it. I appreciate you taking the time to help yeah. me out with this. I mean, I, you know, I had uh, no idea. And then uh-huh. normally they'll be like, Hey, I'm here all day. Like, here's yeah. my email. Like if you have any other questions, I'm happy to help you. Right. Cause you're just being nice. Yeah. And Heather's always laughed at me because calling customer service people and things like that. Like I am good at presenting myself as someone that doesn't know what the heck they're talking about. <laughs> and it gets you much further. It gets you much further instead of taking the attitude that you know everything yeah. and you're going to tell them what. But know. it's like you you come. I've taken it to do it in extreme. Yeah, degree, but, but it's it's fine. I don't know. It works. Yeah, it does because I'd rather someone really get like tell me like in details. I mean, but I've even said that I'm like I'm sorry. I'm just I'm a little slower today. Can you please you know break this down a little more for me? I haven't had my coffee. That's a you know that I totally get it. Okay, let's start from the beginning. Uh huh. Yeah. People like to help. They really they do. I mean, unless you get some jerk, hang up and call again later. Right. Get a different rep. Yeah. Okay. So Dave says, question from seller on offer price. Just received back an email from the seller and they asked, could you please explain how you arrived at that calculation? I'm not really sure what to say. Just okay. it's none of your business. Yeah. This is what I want to pay. None of your business? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This, this comes up a lot. You know, sometimes you'll be too high on your offer prices. Sometimes you'll be too low. Uh, and you get a lot of sellers that contact you back that think their properties are actually worth more than what they are. So there's a common kind of objection that you get like, how did you even come up with this offer price? Mm-hmm. That's that's what this person is trying to say. Like, mm-hmm. how did you even, how did you even come up with this in, in that way, sort of? So what you do is you respond and you say, well, we base our offer prices based off of averages, but you know, maybe your property is a, is above average. And and what you do is you answer their question mm-hmm. and then you turn around and you ask them questions. So. When you answer, when someone is asking you questions, you are on the defensive. You are basically taking, you know, taking the the fire and you're dodging them and you're you're trying to, you know, work on their agenda. But you're like you, defending your your you're defending price. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what you do is you answer their question uh, in a way that makes sense. Like, hey, we base our our you know we base our offer values off of you know the average for a particular area. Uh, but you know, we're always looking to willing to look into the details and maybe we were off in some way. What can you tell me about your property? So you just turn it around mm-hmm. and you put the ball back into their court. What were you looking to get? It's either going to work or it's not. Right. So you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Yeah. In a lot of those situations, you'll find out that those people are just, they just want to make you look stupid or something like that, that you offered such a low property for their super, super right. valuable one. It kind of caught me when they said, this seemed like, right, could you please explain how you arrived at that calculation? I'm like, they're not going to, you're right. not going to put a deal yeah. together because that's yeah. too poised. Right. They're, they're trying they to use the word off. calculation. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They're trying to come across as, as I'm really smart and you insulted me. So now you need to feel pain, Right. <laughs> but we're not, we're not going to do a deal or anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, the bottom line. Some people would never do deals with. So it's, it's good to identify the motivation as quickly as possible. Yeah. And cut your losses and move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But that's different than someone saying like, Oh, I thought it was worth more. Why do you think it's worth that much? Mm-hmm. And then you come back and you say, well, you know, like you said that, and like, is there a reason why yours would you know, the value is not right. And they'd be like, well, I guess not. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's probably fair. I just wanted to know right. where you got it from. Hugo says squatter situation. Dun, dun, dun. Has anyone dealt with squatters? There are two mobile homes on a vacant lot that we are currently double closing. We already spent 800 up front for an abstractor to run the title since the title company said this one will take some work as well as the end buyer ordering a survey, which is completed 
and the end buyer will use a private loan, which has already been approved. We told the end buyer that there were squatters ahead of time, and we told them that the sale will not be contingent and the sale of the land will be with squatters, and they agreed. What I am trying to get at now is they reached out and asked us to get rid of the squatters. I researched online and the process, and it said we have to file a complaint with the county and have to go to a court hearing. The thing is, the original seller is kind of elderly and is out-of-state seller. Should I just offer some credit and drop the end buyer's price, or has anyone been able to deal with squatters in the past? The properties in South Carolina, thanks. I'll talk about the squatter situation, and then I'll talk about uh, ideas to keep this deal together. Mm -hmm. So number one, squatters. We typically don't mess with properties where there's squatters on there, uh, just because it's kind of a can of worms. It depends on the state and everything like that, but typically when you've got squatters on a property, um, you have got to go through some sort of process in order to remove them. Now, it could be a situation where someone set up a tent in a little, little camp or something like that. And that might be easier if you call the sheriff's department or something and maybe they can go out there and, you know, get it, get them to move along. But it's a situation where there's actually mobile homes on the property and they're just not paying the, the current property owner or something like that. Uh, you're likely going to have to go through an eviction process in most areas, uh, which can be time consuming, can be... Not a sure thing in some areas. Messy. You can, it's messy. Yeah. Like you're going to be spending uh, generally quite a bit of time in order to resolve this. Either you hire an attorney to do it or you try to do it yourself and you've got to show up to court and all these things. <laughs> Typically, you're better off just finding another deal rather than, than messing around with it. Mm -hmm. Unless there's a huge amount of profit to be made and you have the time in order to kind of see this process out. And um, you're willing to kind of jump through all the hoops and, and, and make it happen. So you can always offer getting uh, rid of the squatters, maybe by ask, offering them a cash for keys, they call it, where they vacate by a certain date and you give them a certain amount of money. Uh, um, legally get rid of the squatters. You're right. like, get rid of the squatters. Oh, no, no, I don't mean it that way. Nothing. Don't that. nothing. No. <laughs> so bottom line is it's a it's a tough situation to resolve easily. So we typically, when, when we run into situations like that, we just move on to another deal. We have been party to eviction processes mm -hmm. more times than we can even right. imagine from the bank owned properties and all that kind of stuff. And it's just not worth like our mental health to deal with that No, because there's emotional aspects. People are pretty crafty. And they're really good at what they do. And some people are professionals yeah. at that. There's a lot of legal aid stuff out there for people yes. to get legal help, you know, in some mm -hmm. areas. Um, which is which is good for the people who truly need it. Yes. Need it. And, and for the right situations, we've just seen it used for the wrong situations. Mm -hmm. And it hurts other people. It's just, it's really, really, it's almost like a full-time job, even if you hire somebody. Right. You know, so we just say it's it, the amount of effort unless it's a lot of money, it's just not worth it. Right. It's just not. That's my two cents on the squatter situation. First of all, when you come into the land conquest community, everyone's got kind of a <laughs> kind of, got a level that they're at. Yeah. Everyone starts at the squatter level <laughs> because it's kind of like the lowest form of land, uh, of land uh, possession, I yes, guess. So, that's exactly so you've got possession of the land, but you mm -hmm. actually don't own anything when right. you're a squatter. So, but possession means something. You know, like you've got leverage there. So mm -hmm. anyhow, that's why everyone's a squatter. And then you soon move up to other stages in, in the community when you comment and everything. That's You're a sidetrack. <laughs> but to keep this deal together, I like your idea of offering a credit to the to the buyer. Mm -hmm. They knew from the beginning that the, this was the situation. Now they're hoping you can solve that problem for them. Uh, maybe they're just kind of floating that out there to see if, see if you can uh, fix it for them. Mm -hmm. Or um, maybe it is like a super huge issue where they're not going to close without it. But I would definitely float that out there. Just say, hey, you know, from the beginning, we, you know, we told you that we could only 
uh, you're getting the property with the squatters. Mm-hmm. How about we just do a thousand dollar credit? We just get this thing closed and, and move on. Start out with something lower, and then you have to obviously you might have to negotiate higher. And then if it's a double close situation like this, anything that you get that's profit is better than nothing, I guess. So mm-hmm. yeah, know. because the issue is like even with the cash for keys, it really needs to come from the seller, the the first seller, mm-hmm. the actual seller. Right. Or the, the landowner is the one who would have to. And if they're elderly and out of the area that, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I guess if they wouldn't, then, yeah, you could try to do the cash for keys and somehow get them to sign. You know what I mean? Negotiate right. that and sign it. And Right. So that would be the first thing. Definitely try to uh-huh. work out the thing with the buyer and then just move on. I know. And they said $800, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, lose $800 and, and be able to make it up yeah. and a better deal. Yeah. Okay. James says offer letter price too high. Let's say you get a landowner interested in selling the property, but your initial offer turns out to be too high. Do you explain to them that your offer was based on the average land value or for their area? Or how else would you answer if they ask why you can't pay the price on their offer letter? Okay. So this happens a lot with, with blind offers. You know, like I said, we're off on our pricing sometimes because we're based on averages. We don't know if their property is better or worse or whatever. What happens is when a lead responds, we're looking at it individually. We're trying to determine what that property is worth. Sometimes we determine that the property isn't what uh, what we, you know, isn't average basically, <laughs> and we can't pay what was on, on the thing. So in, in this situation, really, it's simply about describing why. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, I didn't realize that your property is 90% wetlands. You know, due to that, I'm not able to to pay, you know, kind of the average market value. Uh, I can I can pay you, you know, this amount or something like that. So, it's simply a matter of explaining. You know, a lot of times these sellers, they know. Mm-hmm. They know already that the the deficiencies of their property and they're thinking that it's going to become an issue at some point anyhow. So, uh, we put together a lot of deals like this, and I and I know it's a it's kind of like a mental block for mm-hmm. some people to like have to go back to the seller and say you can't honor whatever you put on that offer letter. But in reality, it's simply about putting a deal together that works for both sides. And if you can't pay what was on your initial offer letter, don't just agree to move forward. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even though it's a very slim deal or something like that, you simply it's got to work for you. And just explain to them the reasons and then see where it goes. Yeah, most people understand. If you said, right. hey, I didn't realize that it was on the side of a cliff, uh-huh. you know, they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, right. because the ones everyone else's is kind of flatlands. So that right. makes sense. Or 90% wetlands. Oh, yeah, yeah or it the is. access is bad. You know, mm-hmm. lots of different reasons. And it may have multiple reasons why mm-hmm. uh, of, from that list. And, uh, you know, tell, tell them up front, hey, like... You know, like your property and stuff, but th- there are some things about it which which make it not ideal. You know, obviously the the access is an easement access, and it's tough to get to the property. And uh, you know, it's it, the terrain is really tough there. I'd I'd love to be able to pay a higher amount, but based off of all this, mm-hmm. here's what we can do. Yeah, the only person that would buy this is someone that has a helicopter already because yeah. of the helipad. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, okay. So Jill asks, what's working? What is the average percentage of land value most of you are having success with on offers? Jill was referring to like, what offer percentage should we use? Should we offer people 50%? Should we offer people 75% of what we uh, anticipate the market value to be? Or 10%? Or 10%, you know? So we have a pretty much exact kind of, uh, and and the answer to that is it depends. Right. (laughs) It depends on what market you're mailing to. It depends on uh, how hot that market is. And, you know, it depends whether it's infill lots or rural properties. So we, we have kind of some some guidelines set up for that in the Land Conquest training program. And it's based off of, you know, we'll offer a higher percentage if the market's hot. 
Mm-hmm. If the market is hotter in that particular area, we'll offer a higher percentage. Now, if it's really slow in that particular area, then we know that in order to resell that property in that in that area, we're going to have to be really aggressive with the pricing. So consequently, we, we can not offer them as much in those particular areas. Because so, when we go to resell it, we're not going to be able to resell it for 100% of market value where you might get if you waited two years. Right. Right. Yes. Like and waited for the perfect buyer. So yeah. we're going to probably have to sell it at 85% or exactly. whatever, you know, so therefore we our whole percentage of, of what we need to make is going to be moves that whole bar down. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And we have we have a whole system kind of laid out to determine that, you know, and it's we do it, you know, with rural properties, we do it county by county. Or if you're um, mailing, you know, subdivisions, it's kind of based off of that subvision and the activity there. So that's how we look at things. And I wish I had a very concrete answer to say, no, hey, 50 percent. So. No, but I think that is concrete. Like we, we do strive for 50 percent. Right. That would be our goal. But what we offer them from that 100% base is based off of. So our 50% just gets moved. That's right. Yeah, so that's fit, a good way to look you know at it. I mean, I mean we're, like, we're always trying to double our money. That's always our benchmark. Mm-hmm. But it's simply a matter of how that that uh, exit price is going to sort of relate to how, how hot that market right. is. Right, it's market so. conditions, mm-hmm. where it's going, where it's been, or whatever. That makes sense. Also, your um, Pennsylvania accent came out when you said rural. Rural? <laughs> it's rural. Rural. <laughs> rural. What, how do you say it? It's a rural property. Rural? Is rural? that funny? <laughs> rural. <laughs> Just saying. That was like that Arnold Schwarzenegger commercial on the on the um, Super Bowl last night. I don't so, remember. I remember oh, seeing. Didn't? Okay. Well, they were making fun of how he says ER, like ER at the end, like like how he says choppa. Oh, yeah. Get to the choppa. That's <laughs> Get to the choppa. One of our favorites. Yeah. So he doesn't say ER. That was all a big joke about it. That was pretty funny. Who State was, Farm. I was going to say, ask you, like, but yeah. do you remember who the. Yeah. Because yeah, that's yeah. the whole thing. You'll see these ads and they'll be like, that's great. And they're like, wait, I don't have no idea who, who the advertising company even was. But Get to the choppa is one of my favorite quotes. What movie is that from? Boost your land flipping earnings with our new Land Conquest business system. It's designed for efficiency and effectiveness. This cutting edge software tool is your key to success in the land flipping industry. Streamline and automate your operations to scale your business to new heights. With our system, you get a customizable website with six professional templates to choose from, up to five dedicated phone numbers, each with their own chosen area codes for creating a trustworthy local presence. And as a bonus, you'll get a $25 credit for SMS and email sends. You'll also get access to our tech team to build any automations or customizations that you want. And not to mention, we've got a great dedicated community to the Land Conquest business system to help us all thrive together. And with every step of the way, you get our 24-7 live chat support. But that's not all. You'll also gain access to our exclusive community to connect and grow with fellow land flippers. Seize the opportunity to transform your business. Visit software.landconquest.com to check out the Land Conquest business system and unlock the next stage of your land flipping success. Uh, Kindergarten cop or something? Or I'm not sure know. which one it is. That's a good question. I need mm. to figure that out. Okay. Well, next question is from Chase, Market Value Opinions. Does anyone have a resource like this? I'd like to be able to send someone parcel info and get an opinion on market value for the particular property, even if I have to pay for their time. They don't have to be from the area, just someone with experience flipping land and pricing parcels. My lack of experience with values has me wanting an experienced opinion. I have some interested sellers from my first mailer and don't want to mishandle the values. Thanks. In this situation, 
situation until you kind of get a, a lot of this experience on your own where you feel really comfortable in evaluating properties in a lot of different areas your best resource is a local land broker who will be able to use their local knowledge and give you a kind of an accurate assessment of the property mm -hmm. value in this case you know it's simply about getting on the phones and we, we've got an actual uh, script that we use that's in the land conquest training program on how to contact sellers. I mean, how to contact brokers and agents to work with. We have um, it for sellers too, but yes, um, <laughs> exactly. We do. You know, it's important to, to say the right things when you're calling them up and just don't just say, Hey, <laughs> give me this opinion. Yeah. What do you, what's yeah. this property worth? Uh -huh. I know other investors and I thought this is a pretty good idea as well. We really haven't had to go down this road, but they actually offer to pay them. So they'll they'll have a, they have a broker opinion form that they send them and say, hey, can you check out this property for me and I'll pay you 200 bucks or whatever the case may be. And that may be super valuable. But in our case, I mean, the big thing that we kind of dangle out there is, hey, we'd love to work with you on this property. Mm -hmm. I just need your kind of opinion of what it's worth. One way that, that you could kind of handle that strategically is that if you, you know, you're going to have to get some sort of idea of what you think the property is worth. Mm -hmm. It could ultimately end up being wrong or a little bit off or something like that. But if you kind of look at, look into the property and you think, okay, I think this is what it's worth, get it under contract. If it makes sense, if the numbers make sense, then start making the calls to the brokers. You maybe, maybe you want to hold off on opening title or hiring a photographer to go out to the property or incurring expenses until you get that broker opinion. That could be a way to, to kind of do things. Now, obviously, our, our purchase agreement and everything is written up, so there's no downside for you to cancel a, 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 an agreement if it's, if it's simply not going to work, if the pricing doesn't work or, or whatever the case may be. So that could be a good way, but I think you're, I think you're going to find that uh, local brokers and agents are probably your best resource when it comes to this. Okay, I'm going to add to it. There's actually companies that, that like that we you've used to be a part of. You know, I guess I don't. I wonder if they even let you set up like that, or if they're only for big companies. Not sure. Where you can order through, you know, them. The only downfall or downside is that you don't get to vet the person giving you the opinion. Yes. And it could be someone 250 miles away. Right. But the other thing is, there's some other resources for finding out prices. Partner with Pete. Mm. You could submit your deal if you want, only if you wanted it. You know, conceivably to have a funder. Right. Um, yeah. If only if you want us to fund it. Exactly. Because <laughs> so, we're not just going to give opinions. No, no, I'm overwhelmed. I yeah, guess so that would get you blacklisted. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I, personally, I would blacklist you, Pete, a little nicer. But that's a really great resource that you have part of that because we only fund deals that are deals. I'll know? let you know. I mean, mm -hmm. hey, we get it in, you know, um, you know, property submissions all the time where it's a cool property and everything, but it's simply the price is is too high in order to, to make it work. Mm -hmm. It's not uh, uh, the deal that we, that we look for. So anyhow, yeah, if you want to get the deal funded, that is a great idea, Heather. Simply submit it to partner with Pete, I'll review it. I'll confirm if it's a deal or not. And it, and if it's not a deal, I'll let you know if it's a property that, you know, we would want to buy mm -hmm. to partner with on, on you, uh, with you, you know, we'll, we'll let you know what price it would need to be mm -hmm. at. So. And then also then you don't have to, like, there's no risk for you even funding it. So we take all the risk if it turns out not to be a deal as you're getting started. I think a lot of people take advantage of that, especially as they're getting started, because it's like having that, well, there's no risk. Yeah. And then the other thing is that in your mentorship programs, there's opportunities to talk about deals to, to kind of like, you know, really break it down to understand it better. Yep. So if you're not, I don't know if they're already a part of your, of your things, but, um, so we have the, what are the options? Well, here? we've got the gauntlet. I'm like, you're going to have to help yeah. me. Here well, I the, can't remember the gauntlet is our program, which will mm -hmm. take you from having no land flipping business set up or, or kind of, you know, some pieces of it mm -hmm. to having a full fledged land flipping business, kind of like a business in a box set up at the end of eight weeks and bring in leads and deals and stuff like that. So that's that's our first program. The next program after that is called the Roundtable. 
And the roundtable is meant for those that got the foundation of their business set up and are looking to to do bigger and bigger things, you know, looking to grow their business, looking to expand and do a lot of deals. So Right. And have a community of people who are really taking it. In like, both cases. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So either learning or really taking it to the Right. And ideally, levels. ideally, we've got it set up that we, we'd love for, for mm-hmm. people in the gauntlet program to then transition into the, the roundtable program. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the ideal setup. Next question is from Spencer. Uh, Zillow sold comps versus priced comps. Am I saying, yes, you're I always, saying that right? I always spell P-R-Y-C-D. it out. That's yeah. what I do. I go, oh, Pete, it's P-R-Y-C-D. And he's like, it's price. And <laughs> I didn't even realize it forever. So whatever. I'm working on pricing a 5.2 acre truck in Tennessee. I pulled three sold comps from Zillow sold in the last 12 months with two of them being on the same street, literally walking distance and another very nearby. Sold comps on Zillow gave me, Zillow gave me an average market price of 14000 an acre. However, when I ran this the comp report in priced, it only gives an average price of 10500 per acre for county and average pricing. Even city pricing in priced was only 12000 an acre. The Zillow comps are solid comps and I noticed all of the priced sold comps were pulled from Lands of America. When I checked the Lands of America links, there is no sold date listed for any of the sold properties. How do you know which way to weigh your offer price? When you are looking at a specific property, don't use automated models in order to come up with the value, estimated value of the property. You want to be looking at specific comparable properties, which it sounds like you found on Zillow, mm-hmm. some on the same street. Hopefully those properties have the you know very, very similar characteristics of the property that, that, that you are buying as well. So I don't want you to get fooled by that. Like even if it's, if it's on the same street, but it's a different kind of property, you want to probably find some, some better comps. You so. mean like usable land, elevation, yeah, one access. Is, yeah, exactly. One's a meadow, mm-hmm. one's a side of a mountain, you know, right. like one's, you know, like, so you got to make sure they're apples to apples, these mm-hmm. property types. And even if you took like one's a hundred, the 100 acre property and one's a 10 acre property those aren't even exact right. necessarily Go yeah on. yeah because the, you know the larger the property the the lower the price per acre generally when you're trying to value a property you're trying to find the best comparable property sales as close as possible but also it's as similar as possible to to the property that you're looking to buy these automated models are good for finding averages for a particular area but you know may, maybe it's useful in you know, sending out your mailers or something like that, but don't use it to value your properties because it's, they can't take all that into consideration. It just simply averages. I'd definitely be conservative on your values and you use those comps and everything like that. Don't, don't always try to find the highest ones, find ones that are maybe on the lower side. So you can have kind of conservative estimate of what you think you could resell your property for. There was also some comment in, in there about Lands of America. The comps were from Lands of America. If, if you don't have a, a premium account with them, you are not going to be able to see the sold data. You're just going to see kind of what's uh, what's listed on there. So likely they are pulling comps from there that have they where they do have that that sold data information. But you know you just don't see it when you look on there. Would you recommend that they get a membership to lands of america i'm thinking about it i don't have one but so land.com sites and everything to in order to post our properties and get some more data but it's it's an it's expensive it depends how much you're you know you think Mm -hmm. you'll use it or whatever but it's one of those things would be an investment in your business and some people swear by it some others aren't as favorable want so i don't know we've done pretty well without it Mm -hmm. but who knows maybe it would maybe we'd do better right exactly i hope that someday there's going to be an ai program that will be able to take into account all those different variables probably coming sooner rather than later right you know that's going to be able to like actually look at it and be like okay section off this and, and give better 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Next question, Michael asks, new to land. I'm new to land. What is better with no budget? Should I do info lots or focus on five plus acres? And should you use deal funding? So if you have no budget, definitely... You're going to have to use deal funding. <laughs> yes. Uh, you're definitely going to have to use deal funding. But but I would definitely uh, do properties that where there's a potential to make some real profit. Don't, you know, focus on buying $500 properties, if even if you could sell them for you know, 5,000. There's just not enough profit spread there for uh, to make it work for most deal funders. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, how are you going to get the leads? Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have any budget. Now, I don't know if, if, if they've got a marketing budget, but no budget for buying the properties. Maybe that was what the question was about. But if you've got no budget for either, um, you're going to be kind of limited on, on getting the deals. You know, you need to have some sort of budget to dedicate towards marketing and getting the leads. You Focus could always, on that. I, yeah, you know. yeah, definitely whatever budget you can, uh, you know, piece together, you know, put it into the, the marketing and get it, getting the leads. Uh, you could always do stuff which might be pretty painful, you know, cold calling on your own. There are ways to get deals off of the MLS as well. Mm-hmm. So that that I think is an option in some cases. You're actually working on a resource for that, aren't I you? I am, yes. In fact, I put a little work into that this weekend as well. I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. So I believe that there is opportunity there for certain types of properties in mm-hmm. order to find deals off the MLS. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm working on the system internally, going to put a team member on it. So they're working on it daily, tweak the system to get it to work, and then I'll release it kind of to everyone else. Yeah, it'll so. be a good thing because then people truly could do this with no money. Right. You know, where you don't have any budget. So you, you could do get your leads this way and then use a deal funder. And you're really yep. not out anything. Um, okay, along the same line, Janae says, kind of still confused about the process of getting your deal funded. Anyone can help? Deal funding, uh, essentially, this is the Partner with Pete program. Mm-hmm. And I should say that the Partner with Pete program, I, I do want to make a distinction because there are other deal funders out there, mm-hmm. meaning that they will fund your deal, you send them the, the, the deal, the signed contract, and then they agree to use their money to close on the deal. We do that as well. Mm-hmm. We take it a step further, and it's not simply just using our money to close a deal. We do every single part of the process. As an investor, all you need to do is get the signed contract, submit it to us. If it's a deal and we agree to move forward with the deal, then we'll kind of take the baton and run with it. Uh, we've got all the processes already built out and a, an extensive team to kind of do every single part of this, you know, the, the due diligence, the sending out the photographer, getting broker opinions, you know, like calling the county, the city, all that kind of stuff, uh, reviewing the title work, everything that, that goes along with that, opening up and closing the transaction. The marketing side of things, after, after we end up closing on the purchase, we do the marketing side of things and negotiating the deal and all the way to the point where it's actually closed and done. And then at that point, we split the profits 50-50 with the investor. It's really a win-win because there's no downside for the investor. There's there's actually no risk. Mm-hmm. So when we agree to go forward with the deal, it's not like um, if we lose money on the deal, it's not like I'm coming back on the investor and saying, hey, we lost money. Can you you know send me $10,000 to you know make up for this loss or whatever? It's not no situation like that. There's no credit or credentials or anything like that required. It's simply a matter of having the deal under contract and we'll take it from there. So you don't have to worry about any of the logistics of any of that. You simply get a a deal under contract and we'll kind of walk you through all the rest. Are you looking for funding for your land flipping deal? Then head on over to partnerwithpete.com. It's an innovative new funding program where we split the profits with you 50-50, but we take it one step further and we handle every other step of the process in the land flipping business. Yes, that means we handle all the due diligence. If the property needs any value add like clearing brush, perk test, survey, we'll get that paid for up front. 
Then when the property resells, we split the profits 50-50. There is absolutely no downside for you as an investor. If we lose money, we don't pass that on to you. But when we make money, when we make profit, we split the proceeds 50-50. So as a recap, we handle every part of the process. We split the profits with you 50-50. There's no downside for you as the investor, only upside. So go to partnerwithpete.com, submit your deal there, and we'll get it checked out within 24 hours. Yeah. And, and there's a couple things too. I, I don't think we ever talked on this, but um, one of the reasons we did that is that it's mutually beneficial if the, pro- if the property closes mm-hmm. and then if it's sold. Right. So instead of depending on someone who's new to this to have to figure all that out, we take it in house that we can use our team that we've already built up that is very experienced right. in all this. So that means for the deal partner, the person bringing the deal, you know, they're going to have a much smoother, quicker transaction. Well, they don't have to do anything. And they have a team of people that actually really are experienced that are getting it done. And it's a good way for especially new investors. We have people who are new that really like that safety and that there's no risk. They don't worry about the valuation because if we say it's a deal, it's a deal and they don't have to do any of the other stuff. Then there's people who really just like getting deals. Like that is their focus. Like for me, I hate calling people on the phone, right? Mm-hmm. But there's people who love calling people on the phone. So if you're one of those people who really loves just getting deals, like it's the thrill of the kill, this is for you. And then we have other people who are just like, I don't have time to do all that stuff. And this is their business model is having us do all that and they just get the deals. Right. Oh, and uh, we have one investor that we partnered with recently mm-hmm. where they brought the contract and they got a wire for $165,000. Right. Their portion of the profit. Right. So maybe they, let's say they paid, I don't know. I have no idea how much their mailing was or even how they acquired it. But let's say like they spent $3,000. I'm just throwing that out there Mm -hmm. on getting this lead. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have to do anything after that except except the wire of a hundred and... Yeah, $165,000. Yeah, yeah. Not, not too not, bad. I dangled that out there because that, that's a pretty extreme scenario. Right, that's pretty right. good. So I wouldn't say that that's typical by any no, means. No, no. Yeah. That's the best partner deal we've done so mm-hmm. far. But we've got others in the works where I, I anticipate similar mm-hmm. or, or higher payouts for our partners as well. And we haven't lost money and no partners lost money. So, or obviously they couldn't, but everyone's made money, I should say. Yeah. So, so it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. Check that out. Partnerwithpete.com. There's a little video on there that kind of describes the process. But it's pretty much the same stuff I just told you right now. <laughs> right. Okay. So Janae has another question. Um, good question to ask when cold calling landowners. Should you have an offer already to give to the seller if you're cold calling? And what questions should you be asking? I think I've mentioned in previous episodes here that we've been experimenting a little bit with cold calling. Uh, ours is a little bit different because what we are doing is that we send out an offer letter and then we are sending the list of the you know whoever we've mailed to to the cold calling company who then skip traces the list and then calls the people and says, hey, you know, we sent you an offer in the mail, just kind of following up to make sure you got it and go from there. Most of those people then say, oh, I didn't I didn't get an offer in the mail or, you know, things like that. So so it just starts a conversation. And the goal here, if you're going to be doing it yourself, is to simply be communicating with property owners, talking about their property. But the big thing is with cold calling is you've got to find out their motivation. Are they actually motivated to sell? Or are they just one of these people that would entertain a great offer if it came by someday? Yeah, yeah. like if someone to offer me a million dollars for my I'd lot sell. that's worth a hundred thousand, right? I would sell. Most people would say there's a price to sell, you know, mm-hmm. any piece of real estate that you've got, even though they may not want to. But if someone 
someone came and offered you something that was amazing, you know, that they'd mm-hmm. sell. So a lot of people are at that mindset when you start asking them about that. So you've got to filter out the people that are just kind of like that mm-hmm. and the people that are actually motivated to sell where you could have a potential of putting, it, putting the deal together. So yes. big thing I would find out would be motivation. Ask them open-ended questions about their property. See if they can throw out a number of like, what are they looking to get for the property? And uh, just start a conversation from there. So yeah. it's a big filtering process. You're going to you're going to have a lot of conversations, and most of those are not going to be fruitful at all. But uh, there will be some gems in there. So just to find those gems. It's a numbers game. Yes, it is. It truly is. That's what you yeah. always say. So yeah, it truly is. <laughs> I'm yeah, glad it's you all agree with yourself. Game. It's just you know. Uh-huh. And the more you put yourself out there, the, the more you'll get and the better you'll get at it and the less you'll care. And and I have experience with cold calling, too. I don't mm-hmm. know if I really have ever talked about this a lot with you. When my first job out of college was being a financial advisor. Well, you that's talked what about they call it, it to me, but not right. to them. Yeah, yeah so it, financial advisor, uh, in other words, a stockbroker mm-hmm. for Prudential Security. And one, one, one They're of not our, even around anymore, by the way. Well, they probably merged with yeah, some other. Did. Yeah, Prudential is around, but Prudential right. Securities, I don't think, is as an entity. But, you know, our big thing is, you know, like we got licensed and everything like that. And the big thing was, how many dials can you make a day? And we were basically going through the phone book. So we're going crazy. through business directories and calling people and saying, hey, you know, this is Pete from Prudential Securities. Can I talk to Frank? <laughs> oh, uh, Frank's not here right now. You know, so you'd be like dialing all these people, spending all your day. And it's a very small percentage of the people would actually want to have discussion with you about these things. And things are different back then, too. People were more open to talking on the phone. There wasn't texting or any of that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff available. So this is, you know, 1999, 1998. And even the conversations back then, you know, it was uh, it was a numbers game. So the whole focus from our manager and everything was how many dials he made. That Mm -hmm. was the focus. Because they know that the great majority of those are going to be no's, but the more dials you make, the higher the chance there will be that you'll actually get that that gem, find that that yes in there as well. That's 100% true. Yeah. The more people you ask a question, there was just a podcast I was listening to and I can't remember, but this person was trying to like get himself out from being uncomfortable. So he was going out to random strangers and asking them for things like, hey, can I have a dollar? Mm-hmm. Or like, hey, can I sit with you? And like... Most of us would be like, uh, no, I don't know. Maybe you catch me in the right. I'd be like, okay, here's a dollar. Like, I don't know. But people don't ask why, by the way. Uh-huh. They're just kind of like, okay, either yes or no, right? So if you call and say, hey, do you want to do this? There's a good chance someone would say, oh, God, I didn't even think of selling that land. Or, yeah. you know, the more you do that, the more you become more comfortable with it. Yeah. That must have been, did you enjoy doing that? No, no, it wasn't <laughs> fun. But I'm, you know me, I'm very uh-huh. systematized. So I was trying to make the most calls out of anyone. Yes, yeah. And I was trying to, to be very, very persistent about that. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, I got so much better on the phone after right. tens of thousands of phone calls and everything. And I got clients and everything mm-hmm. like that. It's the, ultimately, the business wasn't for me, but I did learn a lot. So I know, I know a little bit about cold calling mm-hmm. and I know it's a tough road to go. There are much better ways to get deals these days, but you know, maybe if you don't have the budget for anything, maybe that's where you start. Yeah. And it's good practice and you'll quickly get a feel for what people do ask because you're going to know most people are going to ask the exact same thing over and over again, maybe different ways. So you're going to have a pre-formulated, like you won't even have to think about it. You're going to respond kind of instinctually eventually. It's just talking to people. If if, If you can actually get really good at having a conversation with people, everything will get easier. And a lot of it comes down to asking questions and not yes or no questions Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases, asking them open ended questions where there is not a yes or no answer. Mm -hmm. 
and, and truly be curious, like truly be curious about what that situation is and how you can kind of help them or, or whatever the case may be. But simply asking questions, I think you'll find is a really um, great tool in order to just converse with people, you know, ask them about themselves yeah. <laughs> because uh, people love to talk about themselves. Yeah. I just asked them, you know, the open-ended, so you could be asking like, Hey, do you want to sell this piece of land? Uh-huh. Or you could say, you know, in what scenario would you sell this land? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. You know, they might still say there'd be no scenario ever, uh, but they'd probably be like, but I guess if... Well, if you paid me $10 million, uh-huh. I might sell it. Okay, yeah. well, obviously I can't do that. But right. like, realistically, mm-hmm. like, come on, like, what, what what would that number be? Like, mm-hmm. where where would we have to, how would we be able to put together a deal? Right. I mean, you can, you know, and most of those people are not going to work out because they're not motivated. Right. But that, that's ultimately what you're trying to figure out on those mm-hmm. calls, the motivation. Or so. another thing is like, someone might be like, that. I'm not selling. I don't even want to sell. I have no desire to sell. And then a couple of weeks later, they're like, you know, after they talk to somebody, like, oh, I could use that money to go to wherever they might call you and say, Hey, I have no intention of selling, but now maybe I'm thinking about it. Like what could you give me? Yep. The fortune is in the follow up. They say, Heather. Okay. If you, if you say so. True. It really is true. Mm -hmm. So I think that wraps up a pretty amazing episode. I really like doing these questions like that. I think these are some of my favorite because, um, it kind of gets where we learn just like asking the questions, them asking us questions. I can see like, okay, where are they stumbling? Where, where does everyone need more insight or where can we do better? You know, like where where can can we, where can we offer more help? So if you have questions like that or any questions, um, you're welcome to leave it. You know, if you're email Heather, Email Heather, yes, um, that, that won't get very far. Heather's not the best at Heather at landconquest.com. I don't even think I have that no, email. No, she doesn't. So, so don't use that email. It won't get, <laughs> it'll get, doesn't exist. It'll get sent back. <laughs> yeah. No, but like if you're on YouTube, you can leave us a comment, thumbs up, whatever, subscribe for sure. We if, never ask people to, to actually subscribe and, and leave a comment on YouTube, but please do. If you find the mm-hmm. content valuable, please do. And I mean, I get that, but it more if for you guys, if that's something you guys, meaning guys and gals, guys and girls. If you want to see more of this and get, you know, notified when we publish, that's yeah. the best way to do it. So, um, complaints go to Pete. Yeah. yeah uh, no complaints go to me. No, but also we're on, you know, if a lot of people like to listen on podcasts, I'm a podcast person, but I always like to remind everyone about YouTube because there's some people that really like to watch videos and they don't yeah. know that. And then land conquest, where, where can they find all the community and the learning and all that? Yeah. It's simply uh, landconquest.com. Once you get signed up, uh, you'll see when you're in the community there, there's a tab at the top, which mm-hmm. is the community, which is the default. There's also another tab at the top, which is kind of the classroom section. Mm-hmm. And that's where all the, the Land Conquest training program is. That's where we've got lots of other resources in there. We've got our monthly income reports are in there, like lots of cool stuff in there. So definitely check that out. We've also got a lot of other, other content that we're releasing on YouTube as well. Not just shorts, but also every Thursday we're releasing either a uh, interview with a student, mm-hmm. um, successful student, someone that has had some success with the Partner with Pete program, something like that. So we kind of alternate Tuesdays is our podcast release and then Thursdays is a student success story in some sort of manner. Yeah, and there's no cost for any of that. We have premium membership um, you know, community, what do you, what do you call Mem- uh, mentorship programs? Yeah. So that's available, but the rest of this, I can't remember the word is at no cost. And we have another website that a uh, turning profit. Oh yes. Turning That's our website for the podcast here itself. Um, and then we also feature episodes that I've been on as a guest. I think I've been on about 70 different podcasts at this point. So there's a Crazy. lot of different interviews on there to go check out. Uh, plus we also post our income reports on that site as well. Okay. And last thing to cover, where can everyone find you on the internet? Oh, at partner with Pete. 
That's on Instagram, TikTok, Uh Threads. And then I'm on, uh, yeah, and then I'm also on LinkedIn as well. What are you there, Pete Reese? Yeah, just uh, just Pete Reese. I guess we'll leave it there. That was a great episode. Uh, Ask questions. We love doing these episodes. So the more questions, the more we can dedicate to this. Yes. All right. Thanks for watching or listening. Stay warm. Stay warm. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Ready to start turning profit yourself? Head to turningprofit.com to step up your real estate investing game. See you on the next episode.